Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Hello, Brian. How are you? Hi, doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And thanks so much for joining us. I'm always excited this time of year to have conference speakers on the podcast. So it's great to have you here. Why don't we start off, Brian, and just have you introduce yourself to my audience. Sure. Yeah, for sure. My name is Brian Holyfield, and uh, I am a dad of four boys, 12 and under. We've got a one-year-old, so he was the surprise for sure. So all school age and then a one-year-old. So uh, wow. life is life is hectic around here, but I'm a former teacher. So I taught history, social studies, pretty much everything high school, a lot of AP coursework and all of that. Soccer coach. And uh, about six years ago, I uh, messed up my back in a pretty significant way while coaching. And I realized if I want to be, if I want to be the dad that that I want to be, and I want to be as active as I want to be with my kids and sports, all of that stuff, I need to start taking better care of myself. And so late twenties started working out training and just realized I had a passion for it. And a few years ago, pandemic hit, saw a lot of teachers that were really struggling, a lot of educators that were not, not just educators, but across the, you know, across the gamut. And I realized, I feel like I have, just because of my education background, but also my passion for fitness, I have a way of communicating some things that, because, you know, uh, I see it every day, but a lot of times the fitness world and health world gets really overly complicated very quickly Yeah. to a certain point where it's kind of the, the, the cost of entry is so high for a lot of people. They just, they just turn off to it and go, ah, that's too much to handle. And so I feel like my role is how can I communicate these concepts and these truths and these principles in a really simple way? And that started to take off for me as an online coach. And I built up my business and left the teaching profession. And now I do this full time. So yeah, so I spend most of my time dealing with folks that have chronic illnesses, helping them, folks with, you know, um, kind of living with the impact of lifestyle choices or you know, just uh, genetic issues, different things that, you know, plague all of us and to a certain extent, and just generally helping regular folks get healthier, get the, the bodies that they want, get the mobility that they want, and more importantly, the mental focus and clarity and energy that they're looking for. So that's, uh, that's what I'm all about. Is it entirely online? Do you train people in person? I do. So I'm in North Georgia. So I do train um, a select few people here locally, but I try to keep that to a minimal just so I have more time, more headspace for creating content, resources, and having a larger impact because as an online coach, I can help a lot of people all at once yeah. versus if I'm training you in the gym, I can really only help you during that whole hour. So yeah, yeah. I think it's good. I mean, because I do that work too. I I like the balance because Mm -hmm. it keeps my skills fresh to be with people. And in my case, in real cases, real cases, but then, and like to know what the trends are and that kind of thing. Like I imagine in in that field of work, you still need to actually see physical bodies from time to time and physical soul, well, not physical, metaphysical souls. Mm -hmm. 
so that you can connect with people online. But certainly, you know, that's a field that has developed quite a bit in the last few years and something that is so, so valuable. And my goodness, like there are so many good things that came out of COVID and that is one of them, you know. Oh, yeah. It's been game changer and and just life changing for our family in terms of work-life balance and being able to start something. I never thought I was going to start it up with this. I was always definitely more of the academic leaning. I have a master's degree in Russian history. And I was like, I'm going to be a professor, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and life just kind of completely turned things around. Yeah. So the fact that, yeah, I can have that impact that I want to have on people. And the cool thing about remote and remote coaching and online coaching, even hybrid coaching, kind of blending online and in person is on the nutrition side of things, which is honestly what most people need more than anything. Because I think, you know, anybody can walk down the street and join a gym and get, you know, watch a YouTube video or download a workout program, you know? Yeah. So in terms of like the accessibility, it's never been easier to know how to exercise or kind of have some general idea of what to do. You go to your, you know, Orange Theory or a boot camp or all these different options. And they're all, they're all, will they're all great. You know, yeah, they all have research behind them at least. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, none of them are going to just be like, you know, ruin your life. I think there's more, there's sides of things that are more optimal than others, but it also is dependent on your goals. Well, on the nutrition side of things, we talk about a messy landscape. And I think people just need to know what do I do? What do I need to do? What works for me? And can I have some, some support, some accountability, somebody there to just supervise and give me a little bit of structure and, Help me when I fall off the cliffs so I don't just keep rolling into that cycle. And, and then you talk about like eating disorders and just so many different things, stress-related eating. And I think it's really beneficial to have somebody in your corner. And I like to say, you know, I'm a coach that's uh, in your pocket, right? So at any moment, I'm right there. And you can message me and say, hey, I'm really struggling today. Okay, what do we need to do? Let's, let's game plan. So That's awesome. I mean, such a, such a wonderful value. And I mean, I think, you know, you said you work with kind of the general population. Um, my audience is primarily teachers mm-hmm. and people that work at schools and then parents and caregivers of people with disabilities, people that are in special education. And, you know, your journey to this particular point in your career path is similar to the journey of a caregiver or a, a teacher that is caregiving for their students that have disabilities. I mean, my dad always said, you know, it's just like a 10% up to ante, right? Like we just have a little bit more stress. We have a little bit more anxiety. We have our tasks are a little bit different. You know, there's more problem solving. And and that's if you look at it it with like a Pollyanna attitude, which is my my approach. I mean, there's also 10% more suck in life (laughs) sometimes. I think like the the certainly something that I have figured out also is that maintaining a healthy lifestyle, maintaining a healthy diet are definitely not only important, but they can be like life-saving in so many ways, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're talking about as caregivers, as parents, as uh, as people who have you know, a responsibility to protect and provide um my role as a dad, you know, as a father, like these are, these are, these decisions that we make on a daily basis are going to have the greatest impact 
we can really focus in on, you know, media, we can focus in on, you know, outside influences and all of that. But what happens in the home is so important. And what our children see us doing, the, the, the people that we're responsible for, grown, small, whatever, they are watching and they see the choices that we're making. And those choices have both subtle and very, very blatantly obvious repercussions. And so I always think about what is the long-term implication, this decision choice and this pattern. You know, if, if my kids see us going through fast food drive through every single night for dinner because we just never have time, well, that's a lot of valuable family time that we're not having around the dinner table first off. So not even talking about the nutritional aspect, just talking about the time that we have quality time spent together. So they're learning that food is a, is a convenience. They're learning that food is something that you just fly by Yeah. versus do I want them to understand that food is something that's, that's special and that time is something that's, that's valuable and it's a, it's life giving and it's, it's, it's communal or do I want them to understand that it's quick and convenience? Now I'm not saying that going through fast food once or twice is going to, you know, negatively impact their life and their future, but what you work your you're going to have Chick-fil-A when they're, when they're 23. And yeah. they're living in their and they're living in their first apartment with a couple of roommates. Do I want them just defaulting to, hey, I'm gonna cook, I'm gonna cook this dinner? Or do I want them to de- and let's have let's have friends over, let's cook dinner? Or do I want them defaulting to, you know, let's order some, you know, let's order pizza? Which which frame of mind am I building in terms of the the reference point for them to fall back on and those defaults? So that's what I think of in the big picture is like, can we change that? structure and the, and the framework and the habits that we, that we are establishing with the people that are under our care. So yeah. they are, you know, sort of absorbing some of those same principles because they will stick. And I'm not saying every 23 year old is going to be, you know, making gourmet meals, but I do think those principles will, will carry them as they start their own families or they have their own people. I mean, if you look at the long-term and I'm a historian, if you look at the long-term trajectory of the history of food. I mean, think about back in the day. I mean, if you wanted to cook something, but you had to, you had to, you had to build a fire. Yeah. Right. You yeah. needed people to gather the wood. You needed people to make the fire. You needed people to tend the fire. You needed people to prepare. You know, you had somebody that was making pots or, you know, whatever it was. Cooking the food took a lot of time. And then you had, you know, you weren't driving in your car eating your food, you know? Well, food and that's a, after you've grown it or nurtured right. it. Killed it, picked it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, you know. So many more layers of steps. And, and respect. Respect sure, for the sure. food. Absolutely. And then you move into into the, the, the mass production of food, right? So on the tail end of the Industrial Revolution, so food became quicker, easier, more accessible, like instant oats, right? And cereals yeah. became huge. And so breakfast became faster and quicker. And, you know, the kids eating their cereal while they watch TV in the morning, cartoons and stuff. And then... And it just continues to, where are we going to be 20, 30 years in terms of, uh, uh, you know, how much more convenient, how much much faster does our food need to become yeah. in order for us to, to feel like we have enough time. And yeah. we have to start to claw back and fight back and, and, and win back some of that time for our families, for good nutritious food, for movement, for the things that actually build us up and actually, you know, carry us through life and not just get so 
caught in that convenience cycle. So that's something that I, I try not talk about a good bit, but sorry I for going that. into a little bit of a oh, No, I love that. <laughs> I, I think there's so much to unpack there. I was just thinking like, I don't know if it's a podcast episode. You could probably do a whole course or a whole book on this, but like food is, because it's not just nouns, it's not just adjectives. Food is life. Food is communal. Mm-hmm. Food is nurturing. Food is power. Food, fuel, food is fuel. Mm-hmm. And I like what you say around community and around building, setting that example for your kids, you know? I mean, we don't really think about what we're doing and saying with food, probably unless we have had um, trouble with our relationship with food as we've grown up. And, you know, those things are so very important and it all comes back to that healthy lifestyle. So, I loved that. And, you know, I I was talking to my mom the other day. So I was at, I go to Fresh Market. Do you have Fresh mm-hmm. Market in Georgia? Uh, we don't. I've been, I've been to one. So I know what you're referring to. Yeah. Okay. So I hate that grocery store. I think it's dark and it's laid out weird and it's oddly expensive in some regard. But on Tuesdays in greater Cincinnati, I don't know if it is other places, they have, they call it chicken chuck, I think. Chicken and ground beef are $3.99 a pound. Which is like, you know, super cheap right now. And so I go and I buy like 20 pounds of meat and because I'm feeding a swimmer and another boy, right? Like I live with a bunch of boys like you. And so that's a good way to save money. And so I go and the other day I thought, well, I'll pick up a roasting chicken for dinner. Like we, you know, we just had all that cheese. So let's get back on the on the bandwagon here, people. We need cruciferous vegetables and we need to like Ina Garten's chicken. Yeah. And a roaster was $20. A roasting chicken. But the rotisserie chicken that's already done for you. This, this is what I was saying to my mom. The rotisserie chicken was $8.99. I got that, three crowns of broccoli, and um, a bag of little potatoes, and it was $12. My swimmer's meal at Chick-fil-A alone is 15 so when he's in college, he can go to, he can do it at Whole Foods, which is probably arguably more expensive than even Fresh Market, and get a whole thing of potatoes, three crowns of broccoli, and an entire chicken. And yes, it's a smaller chicken, but he could probably eat all that for less than his crappy meal at Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. you know? And it still is quote-unquote prepared food, right? Like you got to yep. boil right. roast the right. vegetables. And I thought... I, I need to tell him that. Like, I need to make that comparison because when do you ever just buy a meal mm-hmm. by itself? You know, I mean, it is like, it's remarkable when you start to do that. Like another one for us is we buy, and again, this is like an easy meal. I go buy a kielbasa kind of sausage, you know, the one that's like mm-hmm. packed in a sea, which is not super good for you, but it's it's quick, convenient, somewhat nurturing food, sauerkraut and peppers and onions. And if I go buy that meal, it's like $12, which is still less than one bad for you dinner at Chick-fil-A or Chipotle Mm -hmm. or whatever. So, yeah, the value and the the values, like the financial value and the community values are so interesting. Um, So, yeah. There's a a healthy intersection there of of what's 
we can promote within our families. And, uh, and I think that includes you know, just switching topics, but that includes the m- movements as well. Right. So how you move your body. A lot of times we we're, we're so individualistic and we think of exercise as an individual thing. We think of food as an individual thing. Um, but it has a communal aspect as well. You know, I, I, uh, I coach a lot of my kids sports teams, you know, so when it's baseball season, basketball season, soccer, I, I just I jump in and I coach and, uh, just it's constant movement, right? I'm out there, I'm interacting with the kids yeah. sports or moving. It becomes a family thing, you know, and, and it's not to cast judgment, but you know, you look over on the side and there's a lot of parents that are there that are, they bring their chair, they sit and they're on their phone. That's yeah. an hour, hour and a half. There's a walking track right there. Yeah. You know, it could be something like it's just, um, I'm going to take 10 minutes of this time that I'm already here in this physical location and I'm going to move my body. Yeah. I'm going to take my, the younger sibling and we're going to move together. Um, yeah. I'm going to jump out there on the sports team with my child and volunteer some of my time. And it, it's not a cost of time. And I hear a lot of times people talk about, I just don't have time for it. And it's at that point, it's not a cost of time. It's just an awareness of, Here's an opportunity. Here's a window of where I can integrate some of my movement and with my family. You know, and there's you a can lot model of it. Exactly. And we're modeling it. And, you know, you know, and, and I say this, and again, it's not casting judgment on anybody, but you know, there's millions of parents that are, you know, talking to their kids about how important it is for them to stay active and in sports. But when it comes time to drive to the ballpark on Saturday, they're moaning and groaning that they don't have a close parking spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Especially right. at baseball so, games. You don't want to park close to baseball. You got to park far yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but psychologically, you're There's saying, hey, you, psychologically, you're saying you need to stay active and play sports. And this is really important for you. But right. I, as the adult and as the leader of this family and as the model of what is acceptable behavior, I'm complaining because I have to walk an extra 200 yards. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're giving different mm-hmm. signals. Yeah. And these are windows of opportunity. Say, hey, let's park in the back and let's all, let's walk together. Let's, you know, let's make it a skipping game or something yeah. as we walk. Right. There's ways to, to, to take that activity and make it, make it something that's fun mm-hmm. and make it something that your kids see in you. Oh, mom, dad, to the ability that you can, right? I realize I'm talking to a very wide audience and well, people, many people it, are going to have limitations, mobility limitations, all of that kind of stuff. I, I totally you know, relates sure. to that. I work with a lot of people that have limitations. Um, but at the same time, what is the mindset that we're bringing to the table around movement and integrating that in with our families? And it needs to be a goal, right? Like, you know, I had Jack at all of those baseball games. Griffin played travel baseball. And, you know, I would not be able to go to Indianapolis or to, sure, sure. you know, where's Cal Ripken? Where did they go? <laughs> is that um, Oh, they're all over. But uh, Myrtle Beach. I couldn't go to those places because, you know, that was too much for Jack. But like I would talk to Jack's therapist about goals. Like we tried, you know, sit on a blanket. And if Griffin's pitching, you're on the blanket. And then when they're batting, we can go to the playground because I want to watch. And we value watching our brother. Griffin swims. Jack has a hard time in noisy natatorium. So we have goals. How are we going to get in there? We go in during practice so it's not so loud. Now we've gotten to the point that Jack can not only swim a practice in that natatorium, but he can swim far and he can swim without somebody else in the water. That's amazing. But it's because 
that's a value. I, I prioritize that value. You can't prioritize all of them, but that is a value that I personally prioritize and that I was not going to give up on. Absolutely. We've got social stories for playing nine holes of golf because my husband's a golfer and he wants to be able to play 18 holes of golf with his two boys and have a beer and a rocking chair at Pinehurst. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't just happen. You know, if you've got a kid with a behavior thing, it doesn't just happen. So we've got to make goals. We've got to give them supports. We've got to get them that endurance. That's five. That's a five mile walk. And, you know, or like behavior on the golf cart. You got to be we'll get there yeah. when we're 25, yeah. but we got to start when we're eight, you know, and he's 13. And now it's now it's real hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. And I think that's so like it's a goal. It's a goal focus. It's a it's that kind of purpose driven idea. Yeah. Um, with that goal in mind, what others, what, what's the, what's the cascading decision tree that has mm-hmm. to be made, um, both in terms of, I like to think of it, goals are made up of, of skills, right? Yeah. Those skills are made up of different practices and those practices are made up of daily actions. So what is at the bare minimum, what are the daily things we need to be doing? What are the daily rhythms we need in our fans? What are those non-negotiables that will actually help us build and up to that goal? To get there. Um, and I think yeah. if we think of our health as that, mm-hmm. not as a, I have to, oh, I've got to work out or I have to exercise or I have to go run. Instead, is this building me closer to an ultimate goal that I have for not only me, but also for my family? And we can start to, we can start to see the bigger picture and it starts to make a lot more sense as to, as to, to what the purpose is. And I think that's, as a coach, that's my ultimate job is to say, one, how do we make this sustainable for you? And two, how do we help you see the overall value of this whole lifestyle so that you can start to say, oh, I didn't even, that was way on the periphery. That whole idea of, you know, strength training, that was never an idea for me. But man, I really need to be able to go on this family hike to your, you know, I need to be able yeah. to go skiing with my family or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, strength is going to help. <laughs> Yeah, and so now but it was on the periphery, but the now it becomes something. Yeah, <laughs> but now it becomes something that we focus on, and so yeah. I, I think for me, that's that's ultimately what I just that's my job is to create a roadmap that help you see how you're going to get there. So I went. I, I bet that ties into the book that you mentioned before yeah. we signed up. So I want to talk to you about that. But I have two like quick little things for my audience because I know my audience. So the sure. one is, don't hesitate to add these fitness, like lifetime kind of fitness goals that benefit your entire family and help serve your family values to physical therapy. Like my kid's 13. We've kind of gotten to the point that like we don't have to work on our pincer grasp at OT anymore and that sort of thing. But like I literally had goals for dribbling. I've had goals for hitting a tennis ball, riding a bike. And most of our goals now are endurance. So we like we're going to start physical therapy again in, uh, in March. And I have a little post-it note where I am like writing, I want like somebody to help me help him in a gym so that I can go to the gym now and I can take Jack with me, you know, because that's like a community thing that we can do together and it keeps him functionally involved. So that's number one. Number two is also we have to model rest because, you know, there's people that need the motivation, but there's also people that like are go, 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 go. And our kids, yes, at our baseball games, like, okay, I can sit here and I can like order the groceries 
and then I can run home and I can pick up the groceries and stick them in the fridge and I can be back at the game and then I'm going to take you here and I'm going to take you there. Mm -hmm. And like I see so many people sitting in car line on their phones and I think, why are you not reading? You are signing a log that says that your kids are reading 10 or 15 minutes a day. Why are you not showing them that that's a good escape? And that you can read for self-help and you can read for escape and you can read for creativity and you can read for a thousand other reasons. So, like, I think we need to model functional rest as opposed to scrolling yes. through our yes. phones, too. Because, yes. like, I'm a real type A person and I I know my kids see me just getting shit done all the time. And they're probably like, that would be like, relax a rubber band a little. Yeah. But I don't want to just stand leaning on my kitchen counter and scroll, which, you know, we're all guilty of doing, too. So oh, sure. um, anyway, we yeah, don't have to and, talk about that. I just no, want to no, throw no. And, and also for your audience as well. Like I deal with this a lot. I work with a lot of a lot of parents, a lot of moms, uh, a lot of educators. And there's that kind of built in sense of if I take some time for me. To build my health and, and my myself up. That's, um, you know, I, sh I should feel guilty for that, yeah. you know, kind of the classic, you know, shame or guilt around the fact that I need some time to rest or I need some time to move my body or protect my health. These are things that, yes, we can integrate into our family, but also there's times where you need that for yourself and you need yeah. to, to prioritize your own self-care in a very intentional way. And I think self-care is really overused as a term. Yeah. To be like something that's like, you just, you deserve it. And it becomes a selfish thing. Yeah. Self-care is a selfless thing. And so I talk about selfless self-care, mm. right? That, that you are taking care of yourself, not from a place of like pride or a place of uh, I deserve that, but simply from a place of uh, I'm worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, not an indulgence. It is a need. It is a need. Yeah. 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 Did you see... What's Michigan's quarterback's name? JJ something. I don't follow too much football these days. It's, he's got like a double initial. I want to say like JJ McCarron, but that's AJ. Okay, okay. And he lives, I think he played for the Bengals. I don't know what his name is, but he meditated before the game. Do you um, know they just went in overtime last week? Yeah, 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 yeah. He took off his shoes and he sat against the goalpost and he was doing like the alternate nose breathing that I do mm -hmm. in yoga. And he was, he appeared to be meditating. He mm -hmm. was having a moment of peace at the very least with his feet grounded in that mm -hmm. grass or turf. And I, they're almost all grass, right? I don't know. Uh, uh, yes, I used, I think it's I used to know a lot. I used to know a lot about this. Now I'm <laughs> the boy mom. But I was so happy because I was like, yes. As a parent of two kids with anxiety and a person with anxiety, I thought I never saw... Summer Sanders or or Michael Jordan meditate. And there they are out there, like he and those two people probably do it now, you know. And I thought, gosh, that's great modeling. And I'm sure he got a benefit from that. And, you know, through the whole game they talked they kept talking about what like a great teammate he is. And I thought, mm, that's good. That's good. So okay. Yeah. Major hard shift here because this is what happens to me. But tell the book that you are um, yeah, that I'm super excited about it. I, it's a, something I, since I was a kid, I thought I'm going to write a book one day. I never thought it would be about health. 
and uh, and wellness and sustainable, in particular, sustainable health. So it's called Hacking Sustainable Health. And so there's 10 hacks within this book. So they're very, very easy to digest and super practical. So each hack, so if we're talking about eat like you mean it, right? So that's the chapter of one of my books, uh, chapter one of my title of one of my chapters in my book. Uh, about nutrition, eat like you mean it. And I'm talking about that whole idea of convenience versus intentionality. And so what does that look like? How do we actually start to implement that? And so just kind of laying out the problem, the solution, and then saying, here's what you can do tomorrow. As soon as tomorrow, here's some very practical steps that you can take. Then how are you going to continue to build off of that and gaining momentum? And then what's an example from one of my clients or from my own life? They've implemented this and they've seen the transformation. And so each chapter is just really broken down into that same format. And I talk about everything. I talk about stress management. I talk about uh, how to set goals for yourself that are that are realistic and not. I talk about battling kind of this all or nothing mentality that we tend to grapple with, where it either has to be all consuming or we just totally ditch it. Yeah. Uh, anybody who's ever started a diet knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? And then you feel a thousand times worse. Yeah. So a lot of the mental and the mindset stuff that I have to, that I see over and over again, I have to coach my clients through. I was like, this has got to be a chapter in the book because it's so, so important that we, that we dive into that. So it's not just, oh, here's some exercises you should do, or here's what you should eat or not eat. It's a lot deeper than that. We talk about understanding the importance of sleep. I have an entire chapter on sleep and just how important it is and ways that you can protect and safeguard your sleep. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm very excited about it. It's going to be coming out towards the later spring. So projecting towards April. And I'm just uh, really excited about, uh, about the book and uh, about just having ex- even expanded and greater reach. So I appreciate you bringing okay. it out. Yeah. Yeah. You make sure that I see that when it comes out and we will Definitely. share that Definitely. information. And because that sustainability piece is so, so important. You know, I think there's a lot of people that know what they should be doing, but how to do it sustainably and how to reach the balance so that it is just simply a habit and a lifestyle is... Exactly. It's so, it's so interesting how fitness, like we can be so balanced about everything in life. Like, yeah, I'll commit four years to get this degree so that I can intern for a year so I can maybe work my way up towards my dream job. Yeah. So like that's a seven year commitment that you're making. But when it comes to a health goal, I need it next week. Yeah. <laughs> I need it next month. I need it now. Yeah. And it's like, well, what if we just gave ourselves a longer time horizon? Could yeah. you do it then? Could we be a little bit more realistic, realistic with the with the management and expectations? And as soon as we kind of take that pressure off, man, we can have a whole lot more fun when it comes to taking care of our health than this whole like, pressurized, instant, need it now, quick results kind of mentality. And okay, so I've thought about this a lot. Isn't it because I'm at the age where like my skin is starting to lose elastic? And so I'm like, isn't it better to lose weight more slowly and to make even like changes with your mental health and your like? organs and your skin a chance to catch up like I don't want to lose a ton of weight and I'm too saggy you know like 
think about what that's doing to the neuropathways in your brain and like your your joints and all that stuff. Like, I mean, that just seems like common sense. You see yeah, people yeah, that yeah. have lost weight too late or or whatever, and you're like, that actually doesn't even look that healthy. No, no, no. It's it's absolutely not. And what I mean, just to just to just to pinpoint that and just highlight that, you know, if you're under if you're under uh, you know, intaking of nutrients is prolonged. So let's say just calcium, for example, right? So let's say you're just calcium deficient. But if you're malnourished or undernourished, you're, you're definitely going to be calcium deficient. Guess what? Your body has to have that calcium. It is vital. It's an essential micronutrient. So guess where it pulls it from? Straight from your bones, right? Yeah. So your bones are getting weaker in order for you to get skinnier. That is not a trade-off that I want. So how can you get that weight loss if that's a focus for you how can you get that in a more sustainable way where your bones stay freaking strong yeah right? to me i would rather have strong bones when i'm 80 than to weigh a specific number on the scale when i'm 40 right and it's really so like I once, think that's the trade-off and once you figure out how to make your smoothies with a bunch of spinach isn't spinach a source of calcium oh yeah yeah once you figure out how to do it then it's like, a, it's a skill that's part of your day it's a skill that stays with you for life. So how yeah. can we build up those skills and that mental like like accumulation of skills and habits that ultimately, you know, coalesce into a healthier you? Right. The more we can do that and the more we can integrate those things in, the better off we're gonna be. And yeah. those are just daily simple things that you're building into you're building into the things you're already doing. I mean a couple it takes of five times. it takes five minutes to make a smoothie, you know? Um, yeah. Especially but, if you do them on Sunday nights, takes a lot of time. No. Yeah. And then it's communal, right? Like you've got a little assembly line going at your kitchen counter and then, yeah. And you kind of even forget why you're having the spinach, but you know, you feel better. Yeah. With so definitely, I mean, if you think about your body as a, as a, as a, as a holistic, you know, uh, biological vessel that is designed to, to keep you alive, right? Keep your brain working. And, and to allow you to do the things that you need to do. Your body is very, very, very slow to adapt, which is a very good thing. A lot of times we get frustrated that results are slow. We're looking for, you know, muscle gain or weight loss or whatever. That is a good thing. Nobody's yeah. complaining about your body being slow to adapt when you're not taking care of yourself and your right. body just keeps working, keeps doing its thing because it's like, hey, we're playing the long game. Nobody whines about it then. But yeah. as soon as you get some goal in your head that I need to lose, you know, 10 pounds, now you want it as fast as possible. And your body's like, hey, we're in this. We're still in this for the long game. Yeah. So just because you want quick results doesn't mean your body is willing and able to do that. And that's a good thing, right? And they slow down over time. You know, like I've got autoimmunity. So if I try to do something, if I get like, usually for me, it's because I've gotten in some bad pattern or like after the holidays or something. And then I'm like, all right, we're cleaning this up. I'll get a migraine, like major terrible migraine, or my sleep will be impacted. And I'm like, that was too much, too fast. Chill mm -hmm. out. Like yesterday, I actually intentionally ate some leftover dip for lunch because I, I was like, my body probably needs that cream cheese mm -hmm. because I just like, I don't want to get a migraine again. I need to ease it back in. And those, and yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and those yeah. signals, those signals are so important. Like you talk about like, meditation you talk about these different things a lot of that is is about listening to the signals that your body is is already sending you 
Mm -hmm. Um, and those kinds of things like a migraine, that's your body sending you a message that something isn't, something has been too much too quickly or something has been cut out or something has been added. There's, there's things and ways you can listen to your body that, uh, that it's a signpost saying, Hey, pay attention. It doesn't mean, oh, I need a pill to fix this. It means I need to reflect on some of the choices and decisions or lack of decisions that I've been making and make some adjustments because my body doesn't normally do this and now it's doing this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's really, really great. So as is often the case, I tell my podcast guests, we're aiming for about 20 minutes and then we start talking. (laughs) So this is like, Brian, this is, why I'm so excited to have you as a part of the conference, because I believe that we can be excellent advocates and we can be excellent teachers and we can be, we can give it our all, but unless we are also caring for ourselves, it's not going to be sustainable. And I love that you are here to support the teachers that are giving it their all and the parents that are giving it their all so that they're all can be more effective and more efficient. So why don't you tell everybody what you're presenting about at the conference, give us a little tease for your presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you brought it up earlier, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to save it." Um, I know, I know. Yes. I, I caught myself. So, so I'm going to be talking about how to tame your stress, right? So tame your stress. A lot of times we just think, oh, "I'm just really stressed, and I need to relax." But we all know how to get stressed. But do we actually know how to turn on our relaxation system, right? Your body works a lot of times in pairs, right? You've got your bicep that brings your arm in and the tricep that takes it out. Well, guess what? Stress works the same way. You have your, uh, your sympathetic nervous system, which produces cortisol and adrenaline, but you also have your parasympathetic nervous system. And this is, you've heard of fight or flight, right? But there's also rest and digest. But how many of us actually know and have trained ourselves to activate our parasympathetic nervous system? When you're doing yoga, when you're doing meditation, when you're doing some of these, what we call PNS activities, parasympathetic nervous system activities, you're training your brain to activate your rest and digest. And so what I want to talk about and what I'm going to be diving into is what do we need to know about cortisol? What do we need to know about normal cortisol distribution? And how do we make sure that we don't end up dealing with some kind of major issue with our adrenal system? You can have adrenal fatigue, adrenal, um, um, yeah. And that's going to come a lot of times the people who are giving the most, um, end up with these kind of chronic issues, um, with their adrenal systems. And when that happens, sure enough, your body is going to notice and you're going to notice because the signals are going to be very apparent. So how do we prevent that on the front end? And how, what are some very simple, practical things that we can be doing on a daily basis to make sure that we don't get to that point and that we actually do know how to relax in a way that's not doom scrolling on our phone, which is in fact not a relaxation method. It's not. It's not. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stimulant, right? Your phone yeah. is a stimulant. And, uh, and, and so we need to figure out some ways that are not stimulating uh, means of relaxation and actual real rest. Mm-hmm. I, I I could be the cautionary tale. For... <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to listen to it. I yeah. love the little blurb that you even gave us. I was like, yes, that's what we need. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. 
And everybody can check out Brian's presentation at the fourth annual virtual free special education advocacy conference, which is occurring on January 19th and 20th. If you miss it when it happens, of course, you can buy those on-demand tickets. And Brian, thanks so much. Thank you so much. I'm super excited about it.